Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Final Fantasy. Yes, this is it, ladies and gentlemen. This is Final Fantasy XV, where we have come to the end of this long, 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 long road. And with me to greet me at the end of this long road is my good friend Craig. Hello, how are you? I I am very excited to finally put this behind yes. me. Final, eh? I see what you did there. Finally. <laughs> okay, so. If you had listened to our previous podcasts, you may know that me and Craig are kind of big fans of this game. Now, we are going to point out some of the negatives, and we're going to point out the positives, but if you just really hate this game and you can't stand it, this might not be the podcast for you. Hi, Luke. (laughs) Yes, hello, Luke. (laughs) All right. Now, following standard operating procedure, let's get the stats out of the way. So, Final Fantasy XV was released for the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One on November 29th, 2016. It then got re-released on Windows of March 2018. The developer and publisher was, of course, Square Enix, with the director being a Hajime Tabata, the artist being a Tomohiro Hasegawa, Yusuke Naora, Isamu Kamakuro, with the writers being Sayori Itamoro, Akiko Ishibashi, Takamu Nishida and Kazushige Nojima. The composer was Yoko Shimamura, who, if you don't know, should really check out what she's done before. She's made some of the best video game soundtracks ever. All right. To start us off, we don't have a big kind of opening scrawl. It's kind of short, but Craig, could you please read that for us? Hey, hang on to open the link. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm doing a mic. <clears throat> In a time unknown, only a prophecy keeps hope alive in people's hearts. When darkness fails the world, the King of Light shall come. Now, four brave warriors begin their journey, prepared to fight. What awaits the four, however, they do not know. I can see you typing! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, alright, alright, down down to business. Thank you very much for that that wonderful Star Wars-like opening crawl, Craig. I'd like the gravitas... So, in order to kind of do due diligence with this, because this is like example A of games that have come out and then just kind of evolved and expanded as the months have gone by. So, what we did was Craig played the baseline game, just free updates, that was it. I, on the other hand, went crazy and bought the Royal Edition all the DLC, the season pass, and I kind of did the whole experience with the movies and I didn't read the novel, but I made sure to go on a deep dive with this. So you'll get two different perspectives here, and I'll point out where, you know, oh, DLC comes in there, this is what the DLC is about, and Craig can say, no, no, that wasn't Mm -hmm. in my game. Like to start us with your history, Craig. What is your history with this? Uh, My history with this was... Let me see, I borrowed it off of Luke on a whim after I think you played it and said you need to play it. This also is the first Final Fantasy I've played to completion. So this was my first one, which then made me go back in time and start playing other ones. So yeah, that's that's pretty much my history. And that was last year I completed it for the first time and this year was again another completion and another wonderful run through of it. So... So far, it's been an annual playthrough. It has. It has. It's that good that it's worth playing annually. No, don't go give it away yet. 
Oh, hang on. They, no, but they that don't... doesn't give away how, what, how I feel about it. Okay, alright. Alright. Uh, personally, I, this was something I was really excited for when it came out. I had this sucker pre-ordered. I took the day off work. I was ready for this game. And I played through it, and then I just spouted off at the mouth to everybody who would listen to me. This game is great. It's probably the best Final Fantasy I've ever played. Which made me think, huh, maybe I should replay them to make sure I can, you know, pick the spot where I think this lands. And, well, as you know, I did. And we'll talk about where it lands. I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. So, one of the first notes that I put in my little notebook while I'm, you know, playing the game is the opening with Ifrit. Oh, it's so good, doesn't it? It's just... It, it, oh, it's, it, you're right. It, it starts off with a bang. You have no idea what's going on. This is your first time seeing the characters, and they're in a situation where it looks like they're going to get fried. It, it does it does a really good job of setting the tone for their kind of relationship, I think. Gladio at some point dives and saves Noctis and they all cover him at the end as the fire goes over. You can see that they're all, they're all protecting him and they're all kind of cuddly and lovely as well. So, you know, there is that. And Ifrit is just boss. It's awesome. Oh, Ifrit is very boss. Yeah, so, I mean, even at the beginning seconds of this game, it really does hammer home that whole this is about a journey with friends. It doesn't start with a long opening cutscene about what the world is or, or what the story is. It immediately focuses on it. And then the, you got the car pushing scene right afterwards. Which, if you've played the game before, you see that scene again, it just makes you a little misty-eyed. And, yeah. Aw. Aw. But, okay. It opens well. My I only, In addition to that, the only thing that I think they did well was add that message at the start that says a Final Fantasy for fans and first timers or something like that because it very 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 much feels like that it opens well and strongly to a fan or a first timer like I was it just feels good oh it died and immediately it, it popped my interest of like okay what's going on? I know that's got to be Ifrit but I have no idea what the thing is but before we before we go on with the story Let's talk about what's probably going to be the bulk of this thing, is the gameplay. Now, this is the first time that it's kind of gone next-gen open world. Like, 12 and 13 kind of did the open world thing, but not to this extent, where it was one big just patch. Like, 13 was kind of like Monster Hunter, right? You know, you would go into certain zones, and that would be that. But this feels like a sprawling, big, western RPG world to it. And how do you feel about, like, that open-worldness to it, as opposed to I, 10, which is the other one you've played? I absolutely love it. Open-world is where I kind of, I sit in life as being great, because, I mean, 10, very linear, very nice. When you hit places in 10 that feel like it could be a bit open-world, it doesn't feel like it's, like, that big field towards the end that's got a couple of things dotted about it. Didn't feel as if it sat quite right. This world that you're in feels very much like it's been built really well and really purposefully. The kind of weather system that they've got in place and the ecosystem or the what are they called like the biomes of the place, the desert yeah. bit, and then there's a rainforesty kind of section that you go through at some point. Misty section as well. There's a misty woods with that big dog thing in the middle of it. 
Um, it just feels like it's built beautifully, and then you get to somewhere like Golden. Now, Golden Quay. Golden Quay. I can't not pronounce it Quay. <laughs> I know it's key. I it's do know key. it's key. But I've done it for that long to bug my wife. You know, like 15 years worth of saying Quay. It's just, <laughs> it's kind of embedded in my brain. Um, it's absolutely stunning. Golden Key is a stunning location. It's got this great big, um, what do you call one of those things? A wooden thing that goes out into the sea. A dock? A dock. It's got a great big dock thing that goes out into this beach resort. And you walk in and it's all very, very, very lovely. There's a chef in the middle dicing up fish and everything's just, everything's brilliant. I absolutely love the open world and I love what they've done with it and locations. Every location feels like the hammerhead feels like a out in the middle of nowhere garage. It just looks and feels like it. There's a greasy spoon um, cafe. Is it, would you call it a greasy spoon over there? Uh, yeah, stop. it would be a diner. Yeah, it would truck stop, greasy spoon, yeah. Okay, it, that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? It just, it, they've done really well with it. Well, well I love it. like... I noticed two things on this playthrough. Number one, I noticed how suspiciously empty it is. It that would be the one mm-hmm. thing I could ding it for, right? Like you run into like three cars. It's like driving at three AM you just don't see anybody. Yeah. But if you take that out, because we should, everything feels even insomnia, the city where you start in, it's almost realistic with a slight twist of fantasy. Like I don't see any reason why a place like Golden Quay could not <laughs> exist in real life. There's nothing about the location that feels fantastical. Same with, like, um, uh, Lestalem, right? Lestalem, to me, screamed Mediterranean Island City. And there wasn't really anything spectacularly fantast- fantastical, spectacular. There wasn't anything fantasy in that setting and I think that really hammers home these locations in your brain of just oh this is just a part of the world where it does feel good is at night when the iron giants and other monsters start coming out then it feels like uh, I'm in the middle of nowhere in an empty barren wasteland and there's these gigantic monsters chasing me because I am just running I'm running and running and there are those iron giants are no superman they 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 uh, hurt really hard uh, yeah, at night I like I like how at night it makes perfect sense because like let's say you're around Hammerhead, right? It is pitch black as far as you can see, but Hammerhead is kind of just this beacon of light that you can always yeah. run towards. So I like the fact that there's almost like a worldwide curfew because of all the demons. Yeah. So speaking of fighting with the Iron Giant, this is a huge leap forward from Final Fantasy from its. Ex- just nothing but straight turn-based to its quasi-turn-based to its quasi-real-time to this is finally 100% real-time unless you play with weight on which I will talk about later because I'm kind of split down the middle on that but combat in this is 100% real-time as in you hit circle to swing your sword you can dodge with square I haven't necessarily played another game that's exactly like this, but it feels kind of like Tales of or a Radiata Stories kind of thing, which that means probably nothing to you, Craig. So is there a game you could equate this with in terms of combat? I'm not sure. I don't think so, because going going into it, I foolishly and stupidly activated weight and 
played a good chunk of the game, maybe a f- well, at least a few hours in wait mode, which I thought, oh, this is kind of cool because it, it pauses you at each turn. You make a move, it pauses, you can look around and assess the situation and then make another move, use another power, do whatever you need to do. As soon as I switched that off, things got much better. It just It's a fluid combat system. You can actually just hold down circle and flick the thumbstick about. It That kind of it put in mind me brawling in something like Arkham or something where you're just dotting from enemy to enemy to enemy, hit, next enemy, hit, next enemy, and it kind of feels a bit scrappy. That's like. not a bad comparison, actually, because, yeah, it does auto-target when you're facing in a certain direction, which can really suck sometimes if, like, um, like say, Monster Hunter, you're trying to hit a certain part, but every time you move, it auto-targets a different part. But for mm. the most part, I think it works okay. Yeah. Um, weight mode... I mean, just, just to say outright, weight mode, I absolutely hate. It's just now, stupid. I'll disagree with you on. Ugh. <sighs> You would. <laughs> Hi, my name is Luke. I like to disagree. So, the only thing I think wait mode is good for is at the beginning of a fight, you can hold L1 to do Libra on it. And you can then see exactly what the enemy is weak to, what his HP is, and all that fun stuff. Whereas, if you, uh, if you don't have wait mode on, you kind of have to wait for Ignis to do his thing in order to have that kind of stats in the upper right that didn't bother you at all that you couldn't see those things without something special happening nah nah that didn't Ignis I think it plays into the role Ignis's role as a character quite well as a kind of strategizer in general um, you know the brains of the operation I suppose so I think playing it without weight mode what that's what stupid no, I was gonna. You, you said General Brains, and I was gonna say General Hottie of the operation, but we just went two different paths on now. <laughs> I mean, he is as well, but we can get into that side of things absolutely later. <laughs> um, no, but Ignis playing that part for me sold the whole game more. Me scrapping about because I'm, I'm young and I'm angsty and I'm, I just want to hit things. Ignis is like, why don't you try this instead? Blah blah blah. Then, in New Game Plus, it absolutely did nothing at all because um, monsters don't scale. So I started New Game Plus at level 52. Oh yeah, um, you, you just sneeze and things die. Uh, yeah, so the the whole way through New Game Plus, it was just like... Dee, dee, dee. And you start with the... Uh, uh, we can cut this maybe, but you start with the Ring of Lucy. Lucy, however you Lucy. pronounce it. L- Lucy. They pronounce it Lucy Eye. <sighs> Lucy Eye, Which whatever. is weird. Yeah, it's because it's got two eyes at the end of it. Um, so anything that gives you the, a modest bit of trouble, you just whip that thing out and explode it. Uh, oh, oh, hey, we should say right here, before I say what I was going to say, we will spoil this game absolutely rotten. So if oh, you're yeah. listening to this to decide whether you should play or not, you probably shouldn't do that because we're going to go 100% into this thing in terms of gameplay, in terms of story. So... Click us off now if you haven't played it. Bye. All right. Now that all the douchebags are gone. Okay. So, yeah, even even the, the Ring of Lucii, right? That even... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Trivializes fights like Adamantois. Yeah. Because you can just kill it in about... What? It took me three, four minutes, I think? I I haven't I haven't yet. Um, I've finished oh. the game. I know I need to go... To, I know it's... 
a post-game boss. Um, I don't know how you acquire it. I don't know if it's acquired automatically or whether you need to go back to Hammerhead or speak to someone specific. But I haven't done it yet. I also haven't leveled up my fishing, which I doubt. Oh, we'll talk about fishing later. Uh, in order to do it before the end of the game, like before you actually finish it, you have to get to like chapter 15, then you call Umbra, and then you take Umbra back into it, and then Cindy gives you the quest. Now, I played New Game Plus this time as well, and you're right, you just slaughter pretty much everything. But, on a side note, they've also added extra bosses that, well, okay, it doesn't matter. Oh, they added, like, mainly Omega and Snake Lady, whose name I can't remember. But Omega, at level... No, 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 it's um, somebody who's up by the lake. It's... What she looks like, yeah, she's a naked lady wrapped in two giant snakes. It's a very cool boss fight. But uh, Omega took me literally 45 minutes to down. And that was at level 62, I think? So they they added bosses for you to take on New Game Plus, but for the most part, you will be blasting through everything. Okay, we've gone on a tangent here, Craig. Okay. Back to combat. The only problem I have with baseline combat is there's not much for you to do other than hold circle. Yes. Now, you can spice things up and use magic, which there's a crafting system where you add a little bit of fire, a little bit of lightning, and then you use an item that you've collected, whether it be a restorative item or you know a, a broken horn or anything like that, and you use that as a catalyst to make a spell. Now, magic system. Did you use it very much at all? I did in my first playthrough last year. I remember using it um, slightly. I'll say slightly used it. This time through, I never even touched it. I forgot it was there until I encountered one of those <laughs> crystals in a dungeon that you can soak fire energy off of. And I thought, hang on, there's, there's, there's magic in this as well, isn't there? <laughs> uh, didn't touch it. Yeah, in this, magic takes a, a back seat to a lot of things. But it's also a very high risk, high reward, because if you make a really powerful spell and then you don't discern where you use it, you just hit the guy, you can kill your whole team outright. And they're not very happy when you do that. Did you ever run into problems of friendly fire when using, like, Blizzard or anything like that, even your first time through? Uh, not that I remember, no. Um, even on my first time through, it was limited magic use. I'm not a magican. You're not a magican? Oh. Well, there we go. I, I liked using magic quite a bit because that's probably the quickest way to start smacking out those 9,999 hits. And then they added DLC, a ring you can wear where it just will not hit your teammates. So you can just start hucking it with reckless abandon. On the combat front, one thing that sets this apart from every other Final Fantasy before this is you do not control your party members. Your party members consist of Prompto, Gladio, and Ignis. They all kind of act automatically. Automatically? Automata? Near automata? They act very near automata (laughs) about the whole thing, right? So they will be off doing their own thing during combat. Now, as you fight, you fill up a tech gauge, and it's chunked into three different parts, and 
each time you hold L1, you can pull up a basically a directional command list of, all right, uh, Gladio, you do this move, and then you'll do a combination move, or you have one for each of your party members. Also, Craig, why don't you explain how, you know, what else you can do with that tech gauge? What, what else can you do with that? You can play as the different characters. Oh, yeah, right, so um, between the last time I played it and this time now, um, in the levelling up system, if you level up a particular sphere or orb or whatever it is, you then enable yourself to hold down L1 and L2 at the same time and play one of the other characters. So I um, levelled up Prompto and his wee tree, oh, okay. so I could take over Prompto because it's probably out of all of them, that would be the traditional character I would go would be like some sort of distanced gun-wielding tube with not a lot of health. <laughs> and it's it adds, it adds a good chunk of fun to the game because rather than just using the tech gauge to go, you know, Prompto, use your... Um, what was what was Prompto's... Crack shot. Called? Yeah, yeah, use that. Um, you actually get to just run about as Prompto, and it's nice. It pretty much turns it into a third-person shooter. Yeah. And, uh, like, I didn't play as Prompto before I played through the Prompto DLC. And as soon as I got done playing the Prompto DLC, I was like, well, well, I got to try this out. And, <laughs> yeah, it is it is actually kind of ridiculously fun. Yeah. I kind of want Square to do a third-person shooter in a Final Fantasy universe because that would be a lot of fun. And if you play as Gladio or Ignis, there are different things that each of them have, like little hooks that each of them have. Like with Gladio, uh, it's very much centered around block and counter. And with Ignis, it's very quick hits. You know, you're, you're a dagger user. And if you fill up a bar, you can hold triangle and it targets all the different spots and he throws like a handful of daggers. So every person has their own little unique hook to their playstyle. With Noctis's being what? Would you say it, it's the warp blade? Is Noctis's yeah, big hook? Yeah, that's that's his, his thing. Is basically targeting a, targeting a character from a distance, hit triangle, and you warp, stab the person, and then hold down circle to kill everyone. And then babies sneeze every time you warp strike. Yeah. I mean, uh, we say God. like say circle, hold down circle, and. I don't want to downplay the combat because I quite liked it because there is a lot of blocking, parry and countering involved as well, especially when you get a wee mob of baddies. It becomes quite... I find that quite fun is hitting and then waiting for a, an opportunity to counter-strike because it's always a heavier hit um, and getting your hit counter up. Hang on, getting your hit counter up. I'm playing Guacamelee just now. Is that because I'm playing <laughs> Guacamelee? Is there a hit counter in this? There, there, there is a combo counter, but it doesn't really do. It's not like it Arkham where you anything, turn does it? moves. Okay. No, no, it doesn't. You can't turn into a chicken. You don't get okay. to call Robin. It's just there for fun. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, on that analogy, though, I will say I think this combat moves probably double speed over Arkham. Like when you have a groups of uh, let's say imps, you know, you're getting hit with like six or seven imps. It moves incredibly fast to the point where even on New Game Plus, I was getting overwhelmed by these things sometimes. And the imps in particular, when you're in the kind of ice cave type dungeon and you've swarmed with imps and there's a couple of reapers floating about the place and you've got to quite carefully pick who you're targeting 
to make sure oh, yeah. you don't get not. I found New Game Plus was more about let's do this without getting hit rather than let's do this without dying. Was that kind of I challenge? Surprisingly, died quite a bit on New Game Plus. I think I. Oh, when when was the first time I died? I think oh, I did die, but I can't remember when. It was something stupid, like an Iron Giant or something <laughs> like that. You know. Well. Well, since it was New Game Plus, right? Well, first of all, even on New Game Plus, those Iron Giants do not futz around, man. They will still they kick the crap out of you, especially the red ones. Are they different colors? And then you add, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, the red ones, I think, were level 57. Or wait, did you not see those at all at night? I'm not... I can't recall it being different colors. That's all. I did see different leveled ones, but... I... I... I wonder if that's something that might... See, here's a problem that we ran into is we don't quite know what the list... I could go down a list of things, but I kind of wanted to keep this anecdotal. So we're not exactly sure on what was added in the Royal Edition as opposed to what was added in the Season Pass as opposed to what's been added for free. So there probably will be a couple times where, like, I, I don't know when it was added, but it was added. Um, another thing that is... If we're wrong about anything... Oh, about. yeah, yeah. Or also tell us how, you know, we're just terrible people for liking this game. Uh, another thing that, uh, that sets this apart from other Final Fantasies is now you have on your D-pad a quick weapon select. You can equip up to four different weapon types. As in, you can have a katana on left D-pad, but on the right D-pad will be a crossbow or a mace or a javelin or a whole bunch of other... I'd say there's, I think there's 12 different weapon types... I don't think javelin. Javelin's a sporting item. A yeah, arm. yeah, not javelin. No, a, a, lance. a lance. There we go. Pole arm. A pole arm could be a trident, and a trident isn't a lance. Okay. <laughs> All right, okay sorry. <laughs> Come on, you're from the land of knights, Craig. <laughs> from the land of knights. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, did you find yourself switching to different weapons constantly, or were you kind of a, I, I like this moveset, I like how it works, I'm sticking with this? Uh, pretty much the entire time I was Zord of the King. Oh, you're kind of vanilla. Boring, aren't you? Yeah, I had an axe at one point, but it was too slow. I had the um, the stock sword that was upgraded. Is it the motor, the motor land? The motor sword? The... Engine blade? Engine blade. The motor sword. <laughs> the motor sword. <laughs> um, the only I had the the engine blade equipped and the sword of the king equipped because if you use one of the royal arms, it depletes your AP. So I made sure that if I was using that, I was keeping an eye and I would switch out to the engine blade. And then I had the ring of Lucii as, there you as go. my fourth. I didn't. Uh, I didn't use the royal arms at all. Only because I don't like the idea of losing health. That just... Even if I have 9,999, if I lose 10 HP with each attack, it's like, oh, oh, that's not good. That's not good. So I just generally either use them as stat sticks but never use them, or just didn't use them at all. I didn't know you lost health. I thought you just lost the action point bits. No, in... no, no. You lose, you lose health. Oh, man. I went through the whole game without noticing that. All right, well, with my ever-observant companion, Craig, <laughs> let's, let's talk about what is, I think, unanimously a bad part of this game. The side and quests. I, I, yay! How did you know, buddy? <laughs> now, 
I do want to say I don't think the side quests that feel like an actual side quest are bad. So your Cindy stuff, your uh, your Sid stuff, you know, those kind of things where it feels like a genuine side quest, I don't think are bad. No. A side quest like, that lets you upgrade your car or upgrade your weapon or do something to further a side story, fine. Yes. Anything okay. that has a story to it, let's say, I think is okay and good. What's not okay is helping a whole bunch of cars that have broke down or uh, go getting a bunch of frogs. All those kind of side... Uh, the frogs. Those kind of side quests, I think, are unanimously terrible and boring. They've, as a very aside note to the side quest conversation, the first time I played this game, I was actually chatting with Luke while I was doing one of the frog quests and I couldn't see the damn frogs because I'm so bloody colourblind and looks like sh I'm shouting at him I'm like I've been in this flipping pond for 45 minutes looking for frogs <laughs> and he's like oh I think there's one over by the fence and I'm like I don't <laughs> I just, it's probably the, the lowest point of the entire first playthrough was looking for those frogs I now just... you want to hear something really cool Craig what's that that wasn't Luke that, that, was, that was me Oh, was it you? Oh my god, I'm so My ever-observant companion, Craig. I thought it was Luke doing an impression. No, no, I'm sorry, Dave. <laughs> that doesn't matter. Okay, so, yeah, there are a bunch of really dud side quests that feel like the most busy work of busy work. As in, we realized this story was a little... Or this area was a little story light. Let's throw in some random stuff to do. Yeah. Um, I think it really it really detracts from the enjoyment you get from the game. It, I, I think it actually damages quite a good portion of it because things like it, even, it introduces annoying characters as well. Like um, oh, what's his name? Dino. Dino down at the dock is an oh, uh, oh the New York Italian stereotype uh, yeah, in this world yeah. of Final Fantasy. He's an aspiring jeweler, and all he wants you to do is go to an area get a gem and take it back to him and he's like hey bada bing bada boom what can I do I don't know, like, flipping it why don't you use guys go down to the dock over there and give me a couple gems huh it's like wow where did that come whose idea was that because they should probably be let go and then you've got uh, Dave your namesake Dave the worst lead hunter ever you find him at a random location <laughs> He's always standing doing nothing, and he's like, one of my hunt hunters has died, can you go and get the dog tags? And I'm like, Dave, what are you doing about this? All of your hunters are dropping dead across the land, and you're just standing by a hut. Uh, to like, put it ahead on it, this man is so bad at his job, he should be in a Persona game. Yeah, it's, he's just, it's terrible. So I think things I don't like mind that, his quests, though, because they were at least a little interesting. I like, mean, I found getting the dog tags okay. I found getting the dog tags okay because it took you to an area where you knew you would have a mob of a certain type of animal or beastie or monster. And that's mm -hmm. kind of fun. It's kind of fun doing that when you get a challenging one. The frog oh, lady's yeah. last quest is killing a gigantic frog. It's like three stories high <laughs> frog. Not the worst thing to, to do in the world. Um, but, unfortunately... When I did the quest in New Game Plus, I already had some of the slime in my inventory, so it gave me the quest and then got me to return it instantly. 
Oh yeah, that is that is something. Thank you, Craig. I completely forgot about that. That is very nice about New Game Plus. Even some of the ones for Cindy, you can start them. You still have in your inventory, so you give it right back to them. So it's almost better to, you know, play it through once, let it sit for about a year, come back to it, play New Game Plus, and things are streamlined really well. Like I, I wish other games would do that. Had much more fun with this playthrough than I did with the last one. Um, the trophy for side quests is there's two. There's one for forty and one for eighty, and the one for forty in the first playthrough was an absolute slog. But I think I'm sitting at about sixty side quests just now, and it's, it's felt fine because maybe twenty or thirty of them were returned straight away, and oh yeah, the other ones were fun. So you know. Plus, plus, I, I, well, I don't know if some of the newer side quests will actually count towards it, like, say, the races in the Type D. I don't know if they'll count towards it. I didn't do any races. You didn't, you didn't do Master Truck races? No, I did drive the Type D about the place. But oh, no, it's, it's proper, like, circuit rally track races. It's actually kind of fun. Um... How do you feel about the hunts? Because that's something I didn't do the first time that I definitely wanted to do this time. And I cleared all the hunts in the game this time. And I think there's 120 of them? Somewhere around that number? I, in both playthroughs now, never really looked into them that much. I kind of half regret it to a certain extent not doing it in my first playthrough or this playthrough. But my first one, it was more a case of I was getting through the game as not speedily as possible but just I was doing the necessary stuff and doing the side quests for the trophy and a bit of leveling. I did a few hunts. I did There was a, a witch in some forest or something or a floaty thing. I don't know what it was. Um, maybe maybe that wasn't this game. Maybe that was the witcher. I can't remember. Anyway. <laughs> um, I did a few hunts but it brings up something that bugs the crap out of me and that is a busy quest list and some of the quests the side quests and the hunts being there bugged the crap out of me because although it's open world and I know we've acknowledged that it's open world I still don't think it's truly it's not truly open world because there's locked off sections at each part where you can't get to the very northwest but the side quests up there you can't get in there, but there's side quests until a certain part of the game. And then at some part of the game, it just locks down and becomes a linear story for like a third of the game. So I think the site, the, the quest list and the, the questing system bugged me slightly, so I just left the hunts out. Okay. Alright. So this is where we will diverge a little bit on our opinions. Okay, so I agree with you completely that this is a very Japanese way of doing an open world. With its, yes, this is the open world, but look, we don't want you to go exploring over there. You might die. So why don't you stay in this nice little area until the story deems it necessary? Yeah, I, I get that that's kind of aggravating, and I'm right there agreeing with you. But I don't agree with you about the last, let's say, third being linear as a problem because you can go back to the open world whenever you want and it's not like it takes you back there and it puts you back into chapter 3 you get to stay in like chapter 14 in that open world and everything is open yeah so if you ever have the hankering for the open world you can just go back to it whenever you want 
Yeah. I don't think that's flagged well enough. No. no because I didn't know the first that time my first playthrough. <laughs> I didn't I didn't, know, yeah, I didn't use Umbra. My at first all. playthrough, I thought the Umbra thing was gonna be like a chapter select where you could go back to a chapter yeah, and replay exactly. it. Yeah. But no, no, it's not like if, if you're in chapter 14 and you're on your first playthrough and you, you know, you just got the Ring of Lucii or you just got, you know, this kind of stuff. It sends you back as chapter 14 Noctis into chapter 8. It does. Although it makes you young again. It, you it also beard. also makes Ignis not be Ray Charles. Yeah. Which, that's, uh, that's my preferred Ignis. Um, a good question when you're playing each character, say L1 and L2 in combat, what happens when Ignis is blind? Can Does it a black screen? I don't know, but it is... Uh, I'll I'll talk about chapter Ignis later. Okay. Later in the game. Um, but what I was saying about the hunts was, I didn't oh, know this my first time through, but the hunts, you will fight things that you will not see in the rest of the game. So this is very much your... If you like the combat system and you want to fight new stuff, then here you go. Yeah. The only problem is they have it gated with, um, uh, here we go. Here's a good example. Like, remember Hunter ranks in Monster Hunter? Are you talking to me? No, I'm talking to the people who can't talk back. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I do. I do remember <laughs> Hunter ranks in Monster Hunter. And I did notice my Hunter rank was three or something like that, or two or three. Yeah, so when you come back in New Game Plus and you're able to just fart on these things and have them die, you still have to go through this Hunter rank system. And the really sucky thing is, let's say you just started and you go to Hammerhead and you pick up the four or five hunts. You do those hunts, they don't give you enough ex- uh, Hunter experience to level to the next Hunter rank, so you can't take the other quests that are there. You have to wait till you can go to a different diner in the game. So even then, that stuff being time-gated, I think, is kind of, Yeah, that's a clunky but smoother way of maybe doing that would have been to have all of your quests, your hunts at Hammerhead, level you up to level 2, and then the next diner, you know, that's that'll get you yeah. up to your level 3, so clear it diner by diner, or area by area, I should say. <laughs> Yeah, I don't quite get what the point of it would be. Okay, I've done three ranks in Hammerhead. I'll do three ranks in Golden Key, go back to Hammerhead, do the last two, come back to Lestal. I don't get the point of that other than they wanted you to be traveling. Unless, let's be honest, if you do all the side quests, you might have a reason to stop back at those spots anyway. Maybe. But I think it's a weak system. So... Each of these party members has with them a skill they bring to the party. Gladiolus is survival. Prompto is photography. Ignis is cooking. And Noctis is fishing. So, in order to get a platinum this time, I had to level all of them to 10. And can you take a guess on which two sucked the most? Well, fishing and survival. Easily. Good man. You got it. Um... How do you feel about these things? I think it adds personality to each of them. Yep. I think it adds personality. I think it was unnecessary to have the leveling system level up the way it did. So for Prompto, Prompto's is the easiest because he organically, or naturally, he takes photos. Mid-combat, he takes photos. At the point, what's Gladiolus' sister called? 
Uh, her name is spelt like Iris, but they pronounce it Iris. Iris. So yeah. I don't know. You t- when you're with her and she's in your party and you go out fighting, she's like, "Prompto, you're stopping now to take a photo." It's like he takes photos, and at the end of the day, when you're at the campsite and Ignis has cooked a nice meal for you, leveling up by cooking a meal, um, you get this row of photos, and they're quite—it's quite good. They're quite, it's quite well done. It's it's nice, and you can save some photos. Um, which come into play later in the game. Um, at the campsite, Ignis cooks, so you pick a meal to cook. He's, I, I loved the first time I saw that. I remember messaging you. I remember now it wasn't Luke I spoke to, it was you I spoke to about this. And he's standing with a thoughtful look in the menu systems there where you can pick, you know, like beef. And when you pick it, he kind of snaps his fingers and turns around to go and cook. It's genius. It's absolutely genius the way that's done. Um, so they're great. Gladiolus, survival, so survival, you have to let Gladiolus wander the open plains to pick up a potion here and a beetle there or whatever. All you have to do is walk about. So you're running across a field, you're levelling up survival. You're running point to point, you're levelling up survival. You're on a chocobo, you're not levelling up. You have to be running. You're in your car. No, you're not. Your feet. That's the only time you're surviving. That bugged me. And from reading online, people have rubber banded their controller and just made sure they're running in circles to level it up. That bugs the crap out of me that you can get a trophy by rubber banding your controller and leaving it for a couple of hours. It's not right. Okay, by so far. hold on, hold on. Before oh. before we talk on the, the, mm-hmm. the fishing yes. controversy, <laughs> um, I wanted to level up Gladio naturally, right? So when I started this game, he was at level 6. That's pretty much what I got through the first playthrough while using the car a bunch and using chocobos a bunch and, you know, just normal. So this time, I I ran everywhere and he didn't get to level 10 until past Lestalem. It takes so much work to get him to level 10 survival and it's not even... The reward isn't even worth it. It's like, ooh, now he can pick up Phoenix Downs. Great. Well, whoop de do! I can buy them. 15 of them! Yeah, uh, it, it, I don't... I think that that could be fixed with just numbers. Or um, not existing. Well, no, because what else would his skill be? Like, he's a guy who likes camping, he likes being outdoors. That works with his character. I think you should have a skill. I think Ignis should be cooking. I think Prompto should be taking photos. And if you want to fish, you want to fish. I don't think they needed to level them. I, don't, I think that, that one menu option where you check your skill levels could just not have existed. Oh, okay. So you're... Well, yeah, okay. Yeah, I can see that. I can see fishing being a skill that you can numerically say, oh, I'm level yeah. six at. That's fine. But Even cooking. stuff off the ground. Well, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a crazy world. I think where it runs into the problem is this world was not designed to be walked. No, no. And if you're walking everywhere, it is it is a very long trek. Like there were some treks where I got through half an episode of Ducktales before I reached my destination, running along the roads. I mean, it was it was it's not designed to be played that way. So. I would say that is a purposeful knock on the game, is that was a mistake. Uh, cook, like I said, cooking I think works well, except for the one problem of you have to be at camp for Ignis to cook. But 
If you stay at hotel rooms, it gives you an EXP multiplier. So if you're if you want to boost your levels, you're staying at places where Ignis isn't going to cook, but then you're not leveling your cooking skills, which means you can't get the really good recipes that, you know, give you infinite stamina or you're now immune to all status effects. Those kind of things you can't get because you're leveling up. Don't like oh, really quick, Craig. Why don't we explain how that works? Hmm? Maybe we should. So, when you're in battle or you're doing side quests or whatever gives you experience points, it goes into kind of this bank. Now, this bank doesn't get spent until you either camp for the night or stay in a hotel, depending on the, let's say, opulence of the place you're staying. So, if it's a campsite, you get like a 1.2 multiplier. Whereas if you stay in a really nice hotel room, you get a three times multiplier. So if you're struggling, you really do have to strategize of, wait, I shouldn't camp here for the night. I should go somewhere else. But there's demons out at night, so it's it's kind of a risk-reward thing. And you've also got to weigh up the fact that the caravan at Hammerhead will give you 1.4 XP and cost you 30 gil, but Golden Key gives you 2 doubles your XP, but it costs 10,000 gil to stay at Golden Key for a night, and I think that's a little bit pricey, even in... Ah, unless, unless you have the DLC, sir. Oh. And the DLC cuts everything in half. <gasps> wow. And you know, you know how when you're on the map, you can choose to fast travel? Mm-hmm. No matter where you want to go, that cuts it down to five gil. So it's basically free. So DLC... To add stuff to the game, also cut the prices of travel and accommodation. Yes, sir. That's they bad. also give you two recipes that require no ingredients that give you infinite stamina and a pretty big attack boost. That sounds like stuff that I could have been doing with infinite stamina, certainly, because you can toggle the stamina bar on and off. I had it off. So you never know when you're going to run out of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going, to, he's going to stop running, which is when you start defaulting to jumping. And I have a pretty big problem, which is, this is a nice Oh, you're one of those people? Oh, hang on, what? What? No, I don't think... You're one of those people I... that jump everywhere because they can't just not press a button? Not in this game. Not <laughs> in this game. Because Noctis has a fantastic jump animation. He leaps forward. It's got an unnatural arc to it and then he kind of pounces down on the ground slightly. Um, it looks great on flat ground but did you jump down a set of stairs at all? No I didn't. If you jump down a set of stairs along the horizontal plane you will jump and when it gets to the point in the animation where he kind of dips down to the ground it's like he's hit an invisible wall so he'll be flowing through the air and then go doof and, and, and drop <laughs> straight onto the ground. It done my head in. It, it's such a stupid thing. It really, really, I really disliked it. The jump animation sucks. And to be fair, like, I don't even know why they included a jump in this. It's not like you need to jump anywhere. There's no platforming. No, you can't scale the walls and anything. In fact, it's fairly rigid in what you can and can't jump. In fact, I wonder if they just added it because if they didn't, it would feel weird. Because you can't even jump on top of the regalia. 
You, you, you physically can't. You can't <laughs> jump on anything, really. Oh, you can jump over roadside barriers. You can, so if the roads. That, okay, barriers, that's true. There we go. But that that could have been well, no, because if you sprint at them, you do that kind of slide oh, over yeah. them. You do. So you don't even need to jump. Th- yeah, it's weird. But I will say, if they didn't include it, it would feel very weird that, oh, he can't just jump. E- even though, to be fair, how many times in your daily life have, do you jump? Not a lot. Not a lot. I've probably gone weeks without jumping. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a jumper. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very glad you're not a Christian Haydenson. Or Hayden Christensen. Or Krista Hayden. Or Hans Christian Anderson. <laughs> yeah, and Christian Anderson. Um, okay, so let's talk fishing. Okay. The fishing Craig is Are you a the man of the sea? Thing in the world ever. I still haven't caught a fish and it's not through <laughs> lack of trying. I have not caught one flipping fish in this whole game. <laughs> honestly. That is amazing. I, and I don't know why they add it. Like it, I don't know what it is about Japanese games and fishing. Like it's the same with Yakuza. You go down a dingy side alley and there's a guy fishing out of the middle of a city river, and I'm like, you don't see folk fishing in the Thames in London or something like that. I, why is everyone okay? Fishing well, in hold on. Games? First of all, they are an island nation whose main commodity is fishing. So I understand. I would think you know you'd be sick of it. I don't want to see it in my video games, mm. but. Maybe just like golf, they're a nation of people who enjoys fishing. You live or used to live in a fishing village, right, Craig? Yes, I did. Or was it a hamlet? No, it was a fishing. It was very much a fishing village. Fishing town or a fishing something. And yet you do not enjoy tossing the old line. No, I absolutely hate fishing. See, I'm deathly afraid of the sea, as well as all of my numerous physical disabilities. (laughs) I can't go anywhere near the sea. I, I hate boats. I Laura really, me, yeah. Laura showed me a picture of the day, and it was of the hull of a boat, and it—it's just that bit where you can see the boat above, and then the sea line hitting the bottom. Honestly, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. I can't stand it. And I used to stay in an island. I used to regularly get a boat. I used to live in a fishing village right by the harbour, and it terrifies the bejesus out of me. I hate it. I hate the sea. I can't wow. swim either. I'm kind of ambivalent towards the sea. I mean, I've gone deep sea fishing. I've gone, you know, just on boat ride. Eh, eh, I prefer land. It's just the way it goes. Um, okay, so I think it's safe to say that you did not partake nor enjoy, really, of the fishing extravaganza oh, no. in this game. Don't get me wrong, I partook. I maybe fished. No, you didn't partake. You didn't even catch a fish. I didn't catch a fish, but I tried for ages. <laughs> you threw string in the water, Craig. That's all you did. And I googled and I, I bought stuff. I bought fishing equipment, hooks and lures or whatever the hell you buy. Bait. I don't know what you buy in this game, but I bought it. And I did it. And I went to... Because one of the side quests is my fishing buddy or something like that. You happen across a guy and he's like... Oh, there's a really big fish in this pond. Why don't you try and catch it? That side quest sat. The, it's a level three side quest, <laughs> and it sat the entire time. I just could not do it. Okay, so for people who are not like Craig, uh, this isn't your standard Animal Crossing Legend of Zelda thing where you just pop a line in the water and wait for the bobber to move and then you hit X. 
Uh, this is very much its own minigame. Actually, this is probably the minigame of the game. Uh, it, it plays a little more like uh, you know bass fishing from Sega. It's got a lot of parts that go into it. You can buy different rods, different reels, different lures, a whole bunch of different things. I found it kind of fun to just kick back for an hour and level my skill, watch a show on TV. But evidently, not, not everybody enjoys it. No, there's a £25 DLC called, is it Nightmares of the Deep or something? Oh, the VR thing. A fishing DLC. Yes. With a big... I drew the line at that. Yeah. I enjoy the fishing. I enjoy VR. I don't know if I enjoy either that much. But, I don't know, in a year or so when I'm like, I miss Noctis and the boys. Maybe, Maybe I will buy it. I don't know. So now that we've covered all of the mechanics that you'll really have to worry about for the entire game, pretty much, let's talk about the story, because this is a Final Fantasy game. It's not Arkham. So, all right, here's what it comes down to, okay? Oh, how do I put this, Craig? Um, I don't know what you're trying to say. Are you trying to say something? <laughs> something Okay, terrible? no, I... I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. Okay. So what it comes down to is this game's story, not so much its mechanics. I think for the most part, its mechanics have been fairly praised as this is good. The story is where contention lies pretty heavily. Like not just between our little group, like me and Craig against Luke, but throughout the world, there are people that have been bashing their heads against each other, talking about how the story is really good, or the story is the worst mess of a thing ever. I personally think now, it can be both of those things at once. Okay, that's fairly interesting. Huh. How or why is this a mess to you? No, I don't think I don't think it's a mess. I think it's brilliant. Oh, oh! So you're just doing that normal middle of the road. Yeah, don't yeah, want to hurt just... any feel. Oh, you panty waste! Now, playing through this time, there were a couple of other things that I went, huh? Okay, that's a little weird. Now, Square Enix did go through and retouch up some cutscenes and change some dialogue, and they they actually added pretty much a whole new chapter to the game to kind of flesh out the story a little. Now, I want to say up front. And, Craig, if you feel different, disagree with me here. Up front, the fact that they kind of chop sockied the story up into this is Kingsclave, this is Brotherhood, this is the book, and then here's the game. That was a bad idea. No, no, um, you will find no disagreement from me at all there. Because we both did watch Kingsclave. Yes. I even watched it again. First of all, it looks amazing. Oh, yeah. Wow. Wow, that we've come a long way since the last Final Fantasy movie. So, uh, I would say it is a fun watch where anime things bash each other in the face and CGI at its finest. I would agree. Story-wise? CGI is just... um, I mean, story-wise... Story-wise, it both helped and then kind of hindered at the same time. It was weird. On a side note, though, characters from the movie appear in the multiplayer DLC. 
So you remember Fat Boy with the leg brace? Yes. He's the guy who brings your creative character to Lestalem and shows you the ropes and everything after the end of the movie where he gets away. So he appears here, same voice actor, looks the same. It's kind of cool. Oh, that is, that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. So, so just as a very quick thing, the multiplayer side quest comrades, you're basically one of the Kingsglaive. And that's it. It's kind of like Monster Hunter. It's four-player action where you're just fighting. It's kind of fun. Like, actually a lot of fun. Not by yourself, but with people, it's quite a bit of fun. And there are some story elements in there. Like uh, Chapter 14, when Noctis comes back, and they're like, pretty much everybody has moved to Lestalem. Mm -hmm. That's because you and your group have been basically restoring power, as in lighting, to that area the whole time. So it takes place in, like, this weird place between those chapters. So, yeah, it's kind of... I'd say it's worth the money. But anyway. Anyway. You did not watch Brotherhood, the nope. anime, correct, Greg? That's okay. Correct. Again, it has that weird thing of this isn't really important, but it does clear up some story potholes. So I would say, eh, eh, eh. if you want more of this crew, it's a fun watch. So there. Now, how do we tackle this story, Craig? Like, I, I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm. I'm not sure either. I'm not whether whether a, is it a quick story synopsis. I I I don't know. Okay, you know what? Okay, well, normally I would just do story game, little bit of story, mostly gameplay, and then what I thought about the story. But this is bigger than. I mean, even you can see this is bigger than yeah. Final Fantasy X. Oh God, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not a one paragraph to cover a week and a overview of what's happening there's no okay yeah there's a lot okay so when the story starts we're just talking game here I'm gonna take all the DLC move it aside take all the, the movies and put it aside this is just the game we're talking about today when you start you start as Prince Noctis and you are set on a journey from your father to marry Luna Freya couldn't remember her name. That would have been really bad if we just referred to her as the lady who kind of looks like Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> and with you on this journey is your three basically friends, also Kingsguard. Would you say? <laughs> oh, was that a question? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I... You get the feeling, you get the feeling from the prompto friend, like buddy from school does some revealing moments through the story that, that, that gives them their background um, Ignis is very much kind of protective um, guidance type counsellor type friend but still friend Gladius is very much like Gladiolus. bro what? Gladiolus Gladius why does it say Gladius that's the game that's because the game. you really liked that game I really didn't I really really didn't <laughs> uh, Gladiolus is um, kind of like it, it's like a brother relationship they're all kind of brothery relationships but that's very much a love-hate he's the one that cracks down on you and you're like, if you're going to be a leader if you're going to be a man the fuck up, but I love you bro type guy yeah, like, like 
But the relationship between Prompto and Noctis is very much friendly. Yes. Like, there's no... It doesn't seem like there's duty there at all. With Ignis, it seems like it's, like, kind of a 50-50 split. But Gladio seems very much that this is your job. Just do it, you whiny sack of black hair and leather. So when you set out on this journey, you set off in a magical way with the, that amazing, amazing song. And you're just kind of four dudes touring the countryside on your way to go get your bro married. And while you're driving, and driving is something that will take a major part of this game, because this game really exudes that feeling of a road trip with your friends. Number one, you can listen to any of the Final Fantasy soundtracks on your way, which is why that they decided that's not paid DLC. I will forever bless them for, because that is just great. But you will have conversations in a way that hasn't happened in any Final Fantasy game before. They're just sometimes incredibly stupid and insipid, but genuine conversations you might have with your friends. Like, dude, why do you like that coffee? I don't know. I think it's pretty good. And that's it. But the relationship between these four gets built over the course of, I'd say, what, the first hour, hour and a half? Yeah. And you you just take for granted these guys are friends? Yeah. By the by the time by the time you hit even by the time you hit Hammerhead, you know they're bros for life, and you you kind of feel it as well, and it just keeps on building. The fact that when you quick travel to somewhere for the first time, you don't actually just teleport there. You drive like Ignis will drive you there, and you'll just sit watching the land go by while they're talking. It's beautifully done, and it cements their relationship well from the outset. And yeah, and I'd say by the, by the end of chapter one, personally, I was like, these guys are some of my favorite characters ever in a Final Fantasy game. Like, comparing this to, let, let's keep with something you know, comparing this with the characterization of, like, Titus, there's really no contest there at all. You learn so much about these guys just from the off-the-cuff stuff they say that you don't have to be told in long, drawn-out cutscenes. And it's and it works. It does, yeah. It works amazing. So you have to stop at Golden Key, talk to basically Fat Tony from The mm -hmm. Simpsons. Bing, because... <laughs> Except he looks Californian. The, if we're going to go with American stereotypes, he looks Californian and sounds the New York. The bleach blonde hair spiked yeah. up. I'm surprised he's not in surfer shorts. Yeah, he's a terrible character. But so your your little troop of people have to go from Golden Key. They need to take a boat to Altitia. Once they get to Golden Key, that's when this game does this weird 180 where it isn't fun anymore for a very long time. Because Niflheim, your opposing empire, has invaded your city, killed your father, and that's all you know for a very long time. Like, you're just dealing with, oh, crap, I'm king now. And did you notice that? Because playing through this again, it was like, oh, here's where it stops being a fun bro trip. Yeah. Yeah, it's very much when Ignis walks into the room with the paper and, you know, like, Dad's dead. You go back to the overlooky bit of insomnia, look over, and one of the cooler characters, is it Cor? Comes yeah, in Cor. And starts kind of guiding you. Cor, yeah. 
。要 core 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 anyway <laughs> core、um,。From there you start to see now this there's a there's some some bits of it where it kind of unravels when it looks like they're having fun just after his dad's dead and all that, but. Yeah,、part. depending on what you do, yeah, <laughs> it is a little weird. I know if you if you go straight from that bit to a fishing spot, and he's like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> I've been fishing in a while." <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little weird. Yeah, but, but yes,、yeah, uh, you can tell,、oh, and it, then it becomes very much. We need to find out what's happening, why it's happening, what can we do to stop it, and you come across Arden as well at Golden Key in that first instance, and it, he's. Mysterious. He's named as、um, suspicious stranger, but I would go as far to say as if you met this guy, he's not a suspicious stranger. He's like, oh my god, that's the baddie. That's totally one hundred. Look at him. <laughs> if you saw this guy in the market, you'd go, he's a bad guy in somebody's movie, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. It's just now.、Uh, I'd like to camp out for just a second. How do you feel about Arden? I really like him as a character. I think it's really. really- Interest in what he does and why he's doing it, and the way he plays the way he plays his part in the game, I think it's fantastic. He exudes this Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man vibe、mm-hmm. that I think works so great, as opposed to these the、um, eagle maniacal bad guys that want to destroy the world that we've seen time and time again in this series.、Yeah. Like compare that guy to Seymour, dude. Oh yeah. It it、Hello. he、oh, is. I'd like to be my wife. <laughs> I ah、uh, yeah. He just has almost more personality than Noctis does. Yeah, he's he's and he's amazing.、Sorry. Yeah, even though you know he's a bad guy, you want to learn more about this guy just because of how charismatic he is. Yeah. So he kind of dogs you throughout your whole journey. But it's not really until quite a way. I'd say chapter eleven, twelve,、mm-hmm. that you real what his role is as a bad guy. Like you're always sure he's a bad guy, but you're like, what are you? What, what's your plan? So after you find out that your parents, your parents, your your father's dead, that's when, like Craig said, Core comes and he basically has okay, you're the king now. This is what you need to do, and. The first time I completely missed it of why all of a sudden you were going after all these tombs, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess we're not getting married. I, I guess.、Uh-huh. And what you need to do is you need to go to all these tombs of the old kings of your kingdom and basically inherit their power. Now this is where things get really squiffy in terms of story. Sorry, I'm thinking for a second. Yes, yeah, because here is where you start getting the Luna Freya side. Like flashbacks, and then you get her brother Ravis. You start getting those flashbacks, and it starts to get a little confusing of how you're gonna put everything. Like it didn't take until this time that I realized why Luna Freya was doing what she was doing. So while you're out there getting all the the power from all the old kings of Lucis, she is out there talking to all of. Well, let's just call them summons. I they call them the six, but they're summons. You know, it's your your Titan, your Ramu, forging a pact and acting as an intermediary between Noctis and the summons. And there goes into a whole backstory about how they created the world and blah 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 blah. But doesn't matter. 
like the first time you fought Titan, when you fought Titan, did you have any idea what was going on? I did this time round. I can't remember what I fought the first time round. What I thought when I fought Titan was, I've just chopped his arm off, and I'm pretty sure he was just trying to give me some news or tell me something, and that's exactly the case. <laughs> you lop his arm off so he can give you a vision to say Luna was there and they've agreed something. Um, yes, yeah, I didn't find it confusing this time round, but I, I'm sure well, I've missed big parts of. <laughs> Well, there are huge parts of the story that I didn't get until I started doing, like, the, the outside the game stuff. But I think here is where we start to run into a problem where us as video game players, we've played hundreds and hundreds of video games, we always kind of give it this leniency, right? Mm -hmm. Of like, well, it's a video game story. There's going to be holes and, you know, you just deal with it and you care about the narrative as a whole, not so much the way everything interconnects like you would with a book or a movie. And my first time through, I very much granted it that leniency of like, well, it's a video game story. I need a boss fight. What are you going to do? Kind of thing. But, so, what happens is, while you're getting all that stuff, Luna Frey is going around, talking to someone. They all want to test you to make sure you are the true king. Hence why you fight them. And the big deal with Leviathan is she just doesn't want to be a servant. So she's all like, nah, it's all right, I'll kill you. It's cool. Which is exactly what Leviathan sounds like. Yes. Sounds like a very exactly. middle-aged man lives in New York. It's pretty cool. Okay, so the story up until this point, we're, we're okay with. We're fine. I think Altitia is where it really craps all over the place. Because you're getting so many flash-forwards, flashbacks, flash-sideways, that you have no idea what's going on. You, so... You You've made me. You've made me realise that again. I afforded this that leniency, and just kind of rolled with it. The bits I understood, I enjoyed. The other bits, I maybe just glanced over. Well, yeah, you know what? You know what? I'm. I'm not going to do this through every story beat of the game, but these were the major ones that I noticed, mm -hmm. right? Because these are the ones that actually changed from base game to to free DLC. Okay. So, Niflheim invaded Insomnia. Yes. Killed the king dead. Bleah, died all over the place. Mm -hmm. Ravis comes in, tries on the ring, which, as we know, you should never do. Never. And that's how he loses his arm, and it becomes mechanical. Okay? Mm -hmm. We're good so far. The king's glaive are how Luna Freya got the ring from the king. That was yes. in the movie. That was in the film, yep. In the game, it says absolutely nothing. All of a sudden, she just has the ring. So that's knock number one. Okay. So, Niflheim has control of Luna Freya. They very much have her in custody. One thing I didn't get until I looked into it was why they would let her talk to Leviathan in the first place. Because, oh, they've got the person who's got the ring. Don't they just want the ring? By that point, did she not have the ring? She did have the ring by that point. Because the king's glaive gave it to her. Okay. Right, right. Trying to keep up here. See what I mean by it's really squiffy here? Uh-huh. So, the emperor of Niflheim wants her to summon Leviathan so they can kill Leviathan the way they did with Shiva and the way they tried to with Titan. 
because they want to take them all out. No gods, only man kind of thing. Okay? Arden does not want this, but he's playing along with the plan. Hence why Arden shows up and stabs the crap out of Lunafreya. Yep. But he doesn't take the ring. No. So just for for fun, Craig, why didn't he take the ring? Because at that point, he still wanted to play Noctis as getting the ring and in a roundabout way still working to what he thought he could control Noctis after he got the ring. An admirable effort, sir. Is it, admirable, is that okay? but I'm sorry, you are wrong. Damn. Is okay. it because he can't wield it? <laughs> Literally. No. Alright. This is the last thing I am going to do on the story okay. is Arden. Because Arden is very confusing. At the end of the game, he calls himself his flesh and blood of Noctis. Remember? Mm-hmm. Because he's like, how can you do this to him? And at the time, me and Kelsey were like, wait a minute. They're related? So, this is the actual story of Final Fantasy XV, Craig. Okay. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, Arden basically was playing the role of Noctis. He was purifying the world of all the demons. After he took in all of that crap from the demons, the six summons said, Ew, you're tainted. Let's give it to this guy over here, who was loose or who was Noctis's great 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 grandfather. Noctis, not Noctis. Oh my gosh, I'm getting confused. Arden then spent however many hundreds of years trying to get that back, and then going insane because he just couldn't. So, turns out the guy was Noctis's brother, who is the great 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 grandfather of. No- oh my gosh. Oh my. Okay, hold on. Turns out the guy the summons gave the ring to and said, no, you're the new guy, was Noctis' father, Regis, his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. So somewhere along the line, Arden is his great-great-great-great-great-great-great-uncle? Okay. So Arden's whole plan was to either to just prod Noctis along to taking the power of all six of the summons, then kill him. As revenge for him not getting picked to be on American Idol. Got you. Okay. That's what I thought. Did it was. you see? Really? Well, I thought it was. I remember. I remember you explaining that. I'm like, yeah. I remember that first time round. Because the first time I played it, I didn't get any of that. I got the baseline of what was happening. But the I, whole thing with, like, Arden I, used to be the chosen one and all that? Sorry, go ahead. I, I, that was the bit I didn't get, but I knew they were related, and I knew it wasn't it wasn't for anything other than revenge. It was... Because he says some weird things. Yeah, because he's immortal, and the way he sees it is he either dies, finally, or he gets this power. Yeah. Turns out, he ends up sort of getting the power and then dying. But... There's a lot that they don't outright explain in this story that I think they should have. Now, I also want to give them thumbs up because while this was a bit of a confusing story to where the narrative, I think, worked fine. Like, I mean, like you got a satisfying story out of the narrative without looking deeper, correct? Yes, 100%. Okay, so I think the narrative is fine. 
it's when you want details that things really start to get weird and they didn't think it all the way through. But if you will notice, uh, now there are certain things in game like newspapers on the train when you're traveling and, you know, you go yeah. by Shiva. And newspapers talking about... Oh, God. Sorry, it gives you an update of something that's happened somewhere else that probably happened in the film or the book or something like that. It, it gives you hints that I don't remember. That's new. Is it new? Yeah, well, there were some to begin with of, like, when the Emperor of Niflheim died, but they added a lot more of, like, oh, here's a newspaper saying, you know, Niflheim's commander, which is Ravis, you know, lost his arm in the invasion yeah. and he was put to death for failing, which is why he appears as this weird, like, monster at the end. So they explained why he shows up there. Yeah. So they've gone through and they're they're patching things out by patching things in, if you know what I mean. And they've even stated that they still want to do more DLC for this, like Episode Arden and Episode Lunafreya. So I don't know if they're going to continue with that, because the guy in charge, whose name I've completely forgotten, and I'm very sorry, did state that this is going to be it for PS4. Like, they're not making another Final Fantasy for PS4. This is, this is it. Yeah. So he said they want to spend time perfecting this before moving on to PlayStation 5 or Xbox that ties two? in with Xbox 2. Well, will it be Xbox 2 or will it be Xbox <laughs> I have... 720 or something like that? <laughs> well, that's what we all thought it was going to be for yeah. Xbox One, but no. So Xbox they'll probably 10. have Xbox Carrot. I, I don't know. it'll be Xbox 8K because it'll output an 8K. Oh, anyway, anyway um, that ties in with the when they started work on this and as they worked towards finalizing the game is it at some point anyway it was deemed that this might actually be the last final fantasy ever in the world so maybe yeah them perfecting it over time and really honing it on the ps4 is them saying this this is actually great let's get 16 on the go yeah yeah they, uh, I, I read an interview recently where the guy said you know, we're looking for the future for the next Final Fantasy. We don't think it's going to be this gen. Because I think PS4, is, it's getting close to its, not deathbed, but you know what I mean, it's time to retire it. Uh, and yeah, I mean, the fact that this started as a completely different game way back in, like, mid-PS3 cycle, I imagine, yeah, that is nuts. Almost as long as Kingdom Hearts 3 at this point. But okay, I'm sorry, we got sidetracked here. So, the way I've come down on this now is I have enough of the story to make perfect sense of, like, 98% of it. You, even though you didn't do that deep dive, came away with uh, what you would call a satisfactory 100% of the narrative. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I, 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 at the level I'm looking at it, I'm totally satisfied with what I got out of it. Okay, and what you got out of it... And yeah, I wasn't expecting you to do this because I'm crazy. <laughs> How do you think this sits? In terms of greatness of story? Or in terms of... It's, yeah, in terms of, of how you feel about it. You know, what you'll think of it. Uh, I think... If somebody was like, how's the story? Uh, how's the story? The story would be less down on my list than the kind of general narrative and the... the the world and the friend building 
side of things. Oh, that's a tough one. I think it's fine. I would say it's it's decent enough as long as you don't look too deep. To the, I mean, okay. To the uh, point where you could follow it. You could follow it if you were just going. You all right? Okay. I always knew why Noctis was doing what he was doing. Sometimes I didn't know why someone else was doing what or why something else. But you always know why you're doing what you're doing. If that makes sense. Yeah. There was never a point I, where yeah. I was like, why the hell am I doing this? What is, what's going on? That's, there we go. That's me managed to articulate my feeling. That makes it okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I, and, and again, this is looking at it as a video game story. And let's, let's take in comparison this to 10. And I'm sorry to keep referencing 10, but for the listener, it's the only other one he's fully played to completion. In 10, if something was squiffy on the story, they outright just explained it to you in exposition. They did it very clunky, but they did it. Whereas this, I think... I think it's it's video game... Well, okay, let's say Japanese RPG narratives trying to grow a little bit into it. Because this is feels like somebody saw Game of Thrones and went, Ooh, all those little political machination things? That's kind of cool! We should try to do that. You know, it, it felt like it's trying to grow up from just a Final Fantasy X story. Uh, now, the, the real killer question here is, how do you think of this in comparison to another big RPG that you played? And I think you know which one I mean. Borderlands. Yes, that's it. I was hoping you would talk about Psychonauts, but we could go Borderlands, no, I guess. I actually, no, want one. Pers- oh. Persona, dog. All oh, right, okay. Sorry, I just I didn't know what what which specific <laughs> RPG you were referencing there. Um, how do I think it compares, story wise? Yeah, like 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 because Persona was very much a laid out. I don't want to say by the numbers, but you know what I mean. Story, whereas this was your drip fed little details, and even then the story wasn't as important as the characters. Whereas Persona's kind of different. I I mean, that's that's 100% hitting the nail in the head. If they hadn't nailed the characters in this, it all would have unraveled. Everything would have unraveled. I think getting that character development in while you're playing, it, it doesn't distract from it, but it means that it always feels like you're doing things with purpose and for a reason and for a good reason and that. So I very I very much liked the story and I liked the, the giganticness of it and the fact, like, I mean, I could watch, I hate Game of Thrones, I absolutely hate it, but, you know, you could watch so do I. something like that and not fully understand what why this political thing is happening or why that person's head's been chopped off. I don't know what happens in these things, but you I hear there's enjoy, lots of nudity. You still enjoy it. It's, you still enjoy it, and you'll eventually catch up with it. So I think, I think it's done a brilliant job. Persona was more of a game game. It was a gamey game. It had a story. You done the thing. You done the deed. You done your combat, and you won at the end of it. This felt like it could grow, and obviously with film and extra mixed media, I don't think it was quite the right way to do it. But it, it feels so- like it's heading in the right direction. The um, right, okay, that's a totally good answer, man. So Kelsey sat and watched 
I'd say 80% of this. Whenever it was just, I'm going to run around, do some hunts or whatever, she would get up and do her own thing or play Harvest Moon again. And towards the end, she asked that I not finish it so she can watch the ending with me. I'm like, okay, sure, that's fine. So I went and I killed a whole bunch of stuff and, you know, waited. But as the ending was playing out, and I do want to talk about the ending, she started to tear up because it is a very emotional ending, right? Like, especially with the extra stuff they added, it's like, oh, right in the heart. But I asked her, I was like, why are you this involved with these characters? Like, do you know what's going on? And she was like, I have a baseline idea of what's going on. But the characters feel like your friends. And when your friends have a problem, you don't necessarily know what they're going through. But they feel bad. Hence, you feel bad for them. And I think you're absolutely 100% right. If they didn't have these characters this likable, this charming, this almost human, then this, this would have just fell flat on its face. And to finish off the story... Let's talk about when the story ends. So, in 10, you had a major problem that there was no sacrifice given to achieve the goal. (laughs) Whereas this, there is sacrifice upon sacrifice upon sacrifice to achieve the goal. Yeah, I think by the end of it, you are... I was physically, because this was like up until 2 in the morning, have a quick snooze, and then get back on it at 4 in the morning to try and get through it. By the time it hit 7 in the morning, I was in tears on the sofa, and Laura was like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, what the hell is wrong with you? It's 7 in the morning. Um, the, it's emotionally draining, absolutely and utterly. It punches you in the gut repeatedly with what it does. Oh, 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 you're absolutely right. I, I don't want to spoil the absolute yeah. end of it, but take our word for it. There will be sacrifices made. And I also think that might be where some of the backlash comes from because no Final Fantasy game has ever ended like this. Ever. So I wonder if it's because it doesn't have the happy ending that it catches the flag. I think the ending is perfect. Like, it's not just perfect for the story. It feels realistic because I hate when there's a game and there is no price to pay for doing the right thing. It it does it. It absolutely nails it, and it nails it from very early on when your party start to obviously suffer ever so slightly. And Prompto's side, you're on a train, you're on a train in the train top, and Prompto's being held at gunpoint by Arden and you push Arden off the train but it turns out it was Prompto Arden was using some sort of magic-y type thing and before you know it Prompto's finding out his wee mini origin story and he's going through pain and Gladio's off doing some extra you know work doing stuff Ignis loses his eyesight and he drove everywhere and cooked everything and his nickname oh, was Oh that was Bex. heart-wrenching dude Honestly every, you, your party start to suffer and you as they start suffering, you see your character go from being this kind of like scrawny, whingy boy to getting somewhere with it and then obviously going off to the prison for eight, ten years, however long it was, and coming back a kind of gruff, bearded man to get the job done. You feel that growth. So at the end, when you do have to do things in a very sacrificial manner, that might be giving away too much, 
<laughs> well, we did say we were going to spoil it, but yeah. it's absolutely it wrecks you if you've if you've you've felt it. And one of the things I do want to touch on is that part where after Ignis goes blind and you have to go. Remember the place where you go into that swamp, you kill the Marlboro, and you get the tomb. The fact that you have to wait for your blind party member, and if you don't, they just needle the crap out of you. Felt really because I could see a lesser game going. Oh, he's blind, but magically in your party, he acts the same way. I know it's just. I love that period where it's just you tagging a blind man along with you. Uh, what what a thing. What a thing. What what a what a game and if you don't think otherwise, I'm sorry. Um what you said there I think is a very good point because this isn't an existential story that Final Fantasy normally touches on of like, you know, death and rebirth and the life energy of the planet. It doesn't really touch on it. This is a very simple story of taking responsibility for what you need to do, even when you don't want to do it. And I think that is a very cool theme to base a game around because in the beginning, Noctis very much does not want to do any of this crap. Like even his marriage. I wondered why in the beginning he is so apathetic towards getting married. It doesn't matter. And I mean, I don't know about you, Craig, but I was excited, you know, a couple of days before I was going to get married. I mean, I was as well, but it was, it was very much, it was his duty. He was being forced to do it, I suppose, for some political But they, they spent childhood together. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he obviously liked her, but even towards that, he was very much in a position where, and this is where I'm going to get really poncy, Craig. Even in the gameplay itself, Noctis was completely happy being driven everywhere. He was perfectly happy with his life just being driven for him. And over the course of the game, when he starts to mature, you also see him in gameplay saying, No, I want to drive for a bit. And his whole attitude changes over the course of the game. I think it's a very cool theme to base a game around. Definitely, and it's just, All right. it, and it's why it, it hits home so much. It's why it's why you cry at the end of Toy Story three, and things like that. It's just a really down to earth point to sell and to make you feel. To it, it doesn't. It's something that everyone feels, or everyone should feel, apart from Luke. <laughs> and, and they put well, it, it's, it's, it's you know what I mean. Oh yeah, no, like like okay. Uh, th- this can be off mic, cause I'm at- but that's why I think this is better than Persona. Okay. What yeah. was the theme of Persona? Uh, uh, be nice to your talking cats. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know it, 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 it's just, I like how it, every, almost every one of these games has had a theme like that. Mm-hmm. But anyway, okay, so before we wrap up with final thoughts on this incredibly long podcast, but oh, so good! <sighs> I'm going to touch on all the DLC. I, I touched a little bit on Comrades, and like I said, it's it's Monster Hunter in the Final Fantasy Combat Engine. It's a lot of fun. There are little nuggets of story if you want to get little nuggets of story. Episode Gladio, Episode Promptus, and Episode Ignis. I think Gladiolus is not worth the money. Gladiolus was just the side story of 
uh, takes place after, if you remember, Ravis attacks your party and Gladio tries to stop it and ends up getting thrown aside like he used yeah. tissue. It's it's where he goes with Core and he takes a trial to become stronger. Is that and then in game he comes back when you are yes. clearing out the at the power plant. Yeah. Okay. So it doesn't have much story to it. It's just there's this really strong boss and Gladio and Core are gonna you know go through and try to get it. And it's cool in a Final Fantasy sense because that's where like Gilgamesh shows up and he's a character that shows up every once in a while. Craig. Um, episode. Prompto, which was the second one that released, takes place in that time after Noctis knocks him off the train, but before you meet him at the prison. And it's where he goes through a factory that produces yeah. those empties and finds out about what he truly is. I think that was worth the money. Whereas Gladiolus was a very linear path of trials of like it's trial one, trial two. You know, there were some cool bosses, but it wasn't much of anything. Prompto has a small open world of, like, uh, nothing but snow. So, you know, there's optional bosses there. There's some side quests you can do. You do a lot with uh, Aranea, the chick with the spear. That's the that's the one. That's the, I, that's the episode I've read about that when I was saying earlier about kind of his story. That I've, I've mm-hmm. read through that one and thought, I really want to do that. <laughs> yeah, that one was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I think that was probably the best one. Episode Ignis is interesting, though. Episode Ignis takes place from, if you remember, when Noctis was talking to Angela Lansbury, the mayor of Alticia, about all that stuff that's going to go on. They said, all right, send three of your guys to help everybody escape. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so it takes place during that. Basically, you're given the city to play around in while Niflheim is invading. And it's kind of like a war game because you have zones of certain neighborhoods of like, oh, Altitia controls this neighborhood. Niflheim controls this neighborhood. And you've got to try to keep um, Niflheim from controlling all the neighborhoods kind of thing. Or, I mean, you don't lose. It just becomes harder to do. Okay. It also explains how he went blind. So... Very quickly, um, Ravis and Ignis came upon uh, Lunafreya and Noctis, where they were knocked out after Leviathan went have a wave and splashed them. Arden comes along and is about to kill Noctis by stabbing him while he's knocked out. Ignis then puts the ring on and fights off Arden. The ring is what blinds him. Oh. And there's a very cool cutscene where you you see it from first person where he puts the ring on and you know that that the way it looks when film starts to melt in a projector yes it does that to your vision oh wow and it was a very cool moment so for the story beats i would say if you want story play prompto if you want kind of cool gameplay with a little bit of story you play ignis if you want just gameplay play gladio okay but at five dollars a piece yeah i would say they're kind of worth it Cool. All right. Now, we come to final thoughts. Da, da, da. As the guest, sir? Yes. You may go first. Oh, good. Thank you. Um, so, my final thoughts revolve heavily around this being probably my first Final Fantasy game. Um, you know, 
as it always pops up, kind of in these big series of games, the first one you play is always your favourite, you always remember the first one, and that has very much been the case for me. Uh, I, I 100% absolutely and utterly I'm so happy that I picked this up, because it was something that Luke had offered to me a couple of times, and Dave, you spoke about it. It took me ages to actually pick it up and play it. And I think I played the the platinum demo was on the PlayStation Store, so I downloaded that. You know where you get the wee dog thing. Yeah, Carbuncle. Yeah. Um, oddly enough, ah, when Prompto takes photos, did you notice that every so often that wee dog will appear, and Noctis will be like, "Is yep. that?" Ah, oh, no, never mind. It can't be. But yes, he's he's in the photos right there. You can just point at him. Um, this is really, really it's. A hundred percent sold me on playing other Final Fantasies and trying to get to the bottom of what you know something that I wanted to play because I love this game and after playing this and then moving on to Final Fantasy Ten, when did we do that last year? At some point, was that this year? It's been a long road, man. I can't remember. It was this year, I'm pretty sure. There's there's certain aspects of ten that I prefer over this. The turn based combat is something I absolutely I love turn based combat. And I think although the combat in, in fifteen is fluid and it's nice and you've got a wee bit of variance in what you can do, turn based combat adds an extra layer of gaminess to it that I just love. But this game has so much narrative and storytelling so strong that I it blew my absolute socks off as I say I totally emotionally drained afterwards played it again and the same again I'm just like oh my god it's one of those games you put that campfire down, scene man and you just sit and you just go it's done it to me again it's like watching like <laughs> it, it's it's like watching a film where you get really emotionally attached to the characters and yeah, there's plot holes and there's bits and bobs that you kind of just... I glanced over, if you do look deeper, you might you might find fault, but I, I love it. And it, to be really, really, really kind of... I don't know what the word is, trite? Or really kind of simple about it? But see if you took this game, removed the side quests, and added turn-based combat, I think it would have been damn near perfect. <laughs> That's that's pretty much it, and it's it's a stupid thing to say, but I think it's the the things that that kind of how I feel about it was just that. And luckily, if you want turn-based combat, I hear Dragon Quest is mighty fine. Oh, that comes out three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> it came out a while ago, I think. Um. Uh, you know, Craig, I'm like 100% agreement with you. No, actually 98% because I, I'm okay with it not being turn-based. I don't think you could have had the interplay between characters while you're fighting in turn-based combat. And I think that really would have hurt this. Because you're right, this is, this is a very emotional game. I'm not going to say it's like Schindler's List... But it's a pretty emotional game where you genuinely care about the characters. And this isn't the first Final Fantasy game I've played. It's actually the 15th. And I... Let's say as it sits right now, this is hands down my favorite Final Fantasy game. There are elements of it that I 
don't like very much. Like the fishing and the survival and, you know, all that stuff we talked about. But uh, the year I played this, this was my game of the year. And even this year, replaying it, it's going to be a pretty heavy contender for what I enjoyed the most this year. And if you take the Royal Edition and the Season Pass and you add all that in, it was re-worth playing a second time, hands down, not even a concern. I was afraid I the story beats wouldn't hit as hard or you know, I wouldn't think as much of the characters because I'd seen it before. But these guys genuinely worm their way into your heart. And they're some of my favorite video game characters ever. Yeah, they're not Geralt, but you know, they're pretty close. So this is a perfect way to end this series. Luckily, just like Breath of the Wild, man, we went out on a hell of a bang. Yeah. I think I think the detractors of this game to be completely honest and I don't like being completely honest because it makes me sound like an ass but to be completely honest the detractors of this game feel like they're nitpicking because the people that say they had a problem with it they'll hold up Final Fantasy 7 or Final Fantasy 9 or you know 10 be like now this was a Final they're just as full of plot holes and they have really flat characters and other problems that were just, you know, indicative of the time. This is also indicative of the time of games are maturing very fast now. So this is this is kind of an awkward teen year for it. Well, so is PlayStation. So this has double puberty, I would say. <laughs> but it's really worth it and I think the message of the story gives across and the way you'll feel even if you just see a picture of these characters you see like Ignis you're gonna be like yeah you're my boy it's just you're gonna smile when you're around these guys so I feel everybody should play this game and even non-RPG people so that is why ladies and gents I'm giving away a copy of the game because I have an extra because I bought the royal edition so here's what's gonna happen go down, whichever you prefer. Since I want to do a bit of a wrap-up episode, there's going to be one more episode to the Final Fantasy anthology here. And what we're going to do is we're going to have a little bit of a contest. The beginning part of the episode will be me spouting off about what I think about playing 15, 19 of these in a row, not 15. <laughs> and then the second part of it is going to be I am going to pull one song from every Final Fantasy game that I've played for this series first person who tells me what those songs were. I don't want, uh, oh, that's from Final Fantasy VIII. I want, oh, that's Man with a Machine Gun from Final Fantasy VIII. So, yes, you could Google this, but that's a good amount of work to Google it. So, whoever gets me first a complete playlist of what those songs are, I will ship you Final Fantasy XV base edition, I guess, day one edition, whatever you want to call it. So, if you don't know how to get in contact with us, you can get in contact over Instagram. Although, for this purpose, sending us an email at uh, biteffect.gmail, thebiteffect.gmail might be a little more, you can you know list things out. Or you could do a Facebook message, or what else we got, Craig? There's a farm on the website, a contact. There's a farm. A farm on the website. You can get a farm on www.thebiteffect.com. 
Yes. Uh, yeah, but what are they going to use the the suggested game form? No, there's a different. There's a contact form as well. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Use the contact form, and you can do it that way. So whatever's easier for you. But uh, I, I really look forward to sending this to somebody who earned it, yeah. and they, they'll appreciate it. I, so I've had a wee mini side thought as well to my final thoughts. Can I add it in just now? Ooh. Just for the sake, you may add it in. Feel. See what you feel. Like a pitch of cumin I was on a fine dish, you I, may add it. Thank you. I listened to your final thoughts there, and it made me think something. And you know that wee comment I had about ah, oh, just swap it out for turn-based combat, and you know, like mm-hmm. it probably would ruin the game. I, I'm kind of acknowledging that that it would ruin the flow and fluidness of the whole game if it was turn-based. You'd have combat. to have a lot more cutscenes, I think. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to kind of say that that I I do understand that it's just as a game I would prefer turn-based combat, but as an experience, it it would ruin it. <laughs> and something we didn't touch on, uh, I did at the beginning. The music is fantastic. Mm-hmm. She she does an, an amazing job, but um, the voice actors, I think, not a bad one in the lot. Hey, no, I bada bing bada boom, aye. Yeah, but the performance wasn't bad. It was just that some guy said, hey, do an Italian mobster. Yeah, That's what was that. weird. And I meant, like, the main characters, the main like character, uh, yeah. Gladio Ignis, Prompto. They're yeah, they're all... On point. 100%. And the Hall of Fame goes to Arden. Just <clears throat> really good. Yeah. All right, so remember we have one more episode where you can win the game. Otherwise, thank you very much for listening. And we will catch you next time on... What I said was the final one, but it, it's not the final one. The final one's coming. So, Hello. Craig. Smooth. That was smooth. <laughs> Say goodnight to the fine people. Good night, fine people. Thank you very much for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Final Fantasy Wrap-Up episode. <laughs>